Support for Around with Stephen Cole comes from Infinium Spirits, a family-owned spirits company specializing in the import, sales, and marketing of its distinctive portfolio of brands. Infinium Spirits, igniting brands. Welcome back, faithful listeners. I'm Stevie Mata. I'm T. Cole Newton. And coming to you pre-recorded for my Mid-City Bar 12-Mile Limit, it's time for Around with Steve and Cole. We've got a very special, very spooky episode of Around with Stephen Cole for you. My name is T. Cole Newton. I'm here with my co-host, the inimitable Steve Yamada. I want to say hey, Steve. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Around with Stephen Cole. I like that adjective as well. Spooky or inimitable? Inimitable. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> word, right? I love, too. I mean, I, I think uh, one of the draws for me living in New Orleans, it, it's interesting because I came down for college. Um, I went spooky. To Tulane. Spooky Tulane. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Tulane is like pot people, so it's super spooky. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the very first experiences that a lot of kids uh, have when they go to college here in New Orleans is one of their big going out here's new orleans and all of its like amazing dirty beauty and everything like that is going downtown for halloween i think i think that's a big exposure and it's so soon into that like lifespan of being in new orleans yeah, you've just, you just gotten used to it it's like right. two months into your freshman year and mm-hmm. it's like oh it's halloween yeah and it's like okay <laughs> no holds part <laughs> so uh yeah it's a real quick master class for the most part so i've got really fond memories of halloween and i think that it's pretty impossible not to appreciate this season living down here so uh we've got two great guests uh one is no stranger to the show, so let's go ahead and start off with her. Uh, why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself, ma'am? Hi, my name is Hope Codman von Starnes. I was here, when was I here? Like the beginning of the summer? Was that it? Um, yes, mid- midway through season one. Nice. You have seasons? <laughs> oh, yeah. We're officially in season two now. Oh, I love it. <laughs> So I, I was here um, earlier in 2017 talking about my um, health and education focus sex shop, Dynamo, uh, that I own with Nico Darling. And so we were talking about just challenges of opening a brick and mortar in the city. Um, to update that, we're significantly closer to being open than we were uh, earlier in the year. We Our construction's basically done. Uh, we're just waiting on inspections. Um, so Hopefully those were all passed with flying colors and we'll be able to open soon. But I'm also here today because I basically focus on the two main human experiences in my life, which are sex and death. Um, <laughs> not taxes. Um, <laughs> no, I do taxes. <laughs> not my favorite of the three. Well, you, that's but, a good uh, bookend for life. Because every life kind of starts, starts with sex and yeah. every life ends with death. Yeah, so there we go. That's, um, the rest but, is just details. Yeah, and then it's just yeah all the stuff that gets you from A to B. Um, but so my, my job that pays bills, uh, while Dynamo still does not, <laughs> is that I have been a, a tour guide in the French Quarter and surrounding environs, uh, for the past seven years. And I started doing ghost tours, uh, for a company called French Quarter Phantoms, who I still work for, and then, um, have expanded to other historic tours from there. But ghost tours have always kind of been the, the bread and butter of mm. that industry, at awesome. least as far as we were concerned. Coolio. And we have a second fantastic guest, a first-timer here, uh, not revisiting our show. Uh, why don't you go and introduce yourself? She's a little shy. I'm going to lead on with that one, but <laughs> we're going to make her not shy. She's I'm, not shy in real life. I'm not shy in real life. I just don't really always know what to talk about. So if you guys guide me, I'll play along. Uh, Jennifer Oblenis, I am the state manager of with Ghost Tequila here in Louisiana, and specifically in New Orleans especially. I've lived in this town for close to 17 years. I've been visiting for 
started visiting in 96, so a long, long time ago. Um, and Halloween is, and things surrounding Halloween are one of my biggest loves of this city. So this is a great time to be here. I like to think, uh, Cole, I don't know how good we are at podcasting. Um, I think we're super lucky, though. <laughs> like, we're lucky with a lot of the stuff that we do. That's just kind of explains my life in general, just pre- being pretty lucky. But Better to be lucky than good. We're like, oh, man, we need to have a spooky episode. And wouldn't it be great if we had somebody who had a lot of experience working on Frenchman Street? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my gosh, Jen O'Blenis, ghost tequila. <laughs> yeah, it perfect. you have a spooky tequila. And <laughs> we wanted to share some horror stories. Because for those of you who of the... 55% of our listeners who, who aren't in New Orleans, Frenchman Street is one of the major sort of uh, bar and music areas. It's in the Marigny, which is just adjacent to the French Quarter, and it gets a lot of action on Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to bring somebody in who had experience bartending on Frenchman Street to share some of what I assume are some horror stories. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you have some great stories, too. Yeah. Maybe we could share some fun ones as well, but just some really awful awful stories from what it's like with this zoo of people dressed up like monsters and behaving like even worse monsters. Yeah, yeah I have a lot of those. Right on. Uh, so why don't we start off um, being a Halloween-themed episode. Let's just go around the table real quick and talk about you know our first memories of Halloween's past in New Orleans. Like, what are, what are some of the standouts? Cole, what do you, what do you got for us there? First uh, Halloween in New Orleans. I, I legitimately don't... No, I do remember my first Halloween in New Orleans. I just moved here also. I, I didn't move here for school, but I moved here at the beginning of what would have been the school year to do volunteer work in schools. And my friend who I was living with, I didn't know him especially well, but we'd hung out, like, every day for three months at that point because he was my roommate. That's just sort of, you know, you fall into those things. Uh, and he was... Uh, a little bit shorter and stockier than me. I'm a bit lanky. And we decided to do a Mario and Luigi thing. And it was before <laughs> we, we, we only bumped into one other pair of Mario's and Luigi's that Halloween, which I don't know what has happened since then. I guess it's just people coming of age at the right time. Uh, but ever since then, I've seen at least half a dozen pairs. So at least 12 total Mario Brothers every <laughs> Halloween. But it was great. We just we affected the the really offensive Italian accents from that episode of The State where the Pope comes to visit. It's like, okay. ah, yeah. I hated a Bowser, but I love it a wine. You know, that whole thing. <laughs> and just basically just laid into that all night. Uh, and that was it was a lot of fun. We went down to Frenchman Street like people do. Probably embarrassed ourselves, maybe offended Jen. I don't really remember. Um, perhaps she's got stories about me. She's I don't like, know. Mario Brothers, goddamn! <laughs> That's a horrible flashback. I, I actually I've used that Luigi costume since then. There used to be a party every Mardi Gras. It was like the Saturday before Mardi Gras, or Friday before Mardi Gras every year, and it was the not so superhero party. Yes. It always yeah. oh, yeah. I think they stopped yeah. doing, which is a real shame because it was. You'd have to dress up as somebody who was not so super, and so I dressed up as Luigi. The <laughs> Super Mario Brother, <laughs> which I thought was perfect, but everyone just wants to know where Mario is. <laughs> Did, That's all people ask. Was Halloween like a gateway for you into the costume culture in New Orleans? Were you like, oh my gosh, I need to save this because I'm going to be using this like further down the line, and then all of a sudden you just start collecting costume bits? Yeah, totally. Like every 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 costume occasion, like there's a Mardi Gras season where you probably have to wear half a dozen different costumes at different points during the season. There's Halloween, which is basically at least the last week of October. It kind of spills over to the beginning of October nowadays, at least. Um, and every season you would, I at least add one costume to the rotation, but I never get rid of the old costume. So I have a nun costume I bought for my first Mardi Gras that I have worn at least 
once a year for the past 10 years. And <laughs> and it's great. It always, It's always a hit. I buy a lot of off-the-rack costumes. I'm not a huge fan of like assembling costumes or creating costumes from scratch. But it's about context. And like, yeah. there's, there's there's ways to wear a store-bought costume and it, have it be awesome. I know yeah. I know that nun costume very well because you uh, we use that when we, me and Cole participated in a road trip karaoke competition. We uh, road trip to... <laughs> Uh, to Birmingham, Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were the Blues Brothers, and Mark Cute. Shetler and Sam Danner, who I work with at Latitude 29, were, were two nuns in the background. It was, <laughs> yep. it was rad. And it Sam, was... fortunately, I, I am so grateful to live in New Orleans sometimes, because Sam was, it was like, okay, I got out of work. It was like 11 o'clock at night. He had to have a nun costume ready for the next day, and it was like, going to the Hustler store. <laughs> and it was like, had his nun costume ready to go yeah. at 9 o'clock the next morning. Oh, goodness. All right, Hope. First Halloween memories or favorite Halloween memories or what, what does Halloween sure. in New Orleans mean to you? Um, I mean, part of the reason I came to New Orleans to live full time and I had family in sort of uh, the suburbs of New Orleans growing up. But part of the reason I came to live here was the fact that New Orleans is sort of cheerfully macabre, uh, much like myself. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to be able to costume forever uh, and not not have to ever give that up. I love costuming. Again, not not a great seamstress, but I love the assemblage and I love, right. you know, I'm pretty good with a hot glue gun. <laughs> um, but yeah, even my first uh, sort of exposure to New Orleans creepy history. In high school, I played this game called Gabriel Knight, which was uh, a Sierra adventure game. Okay. Tim Curry plays uh, a writer turns detective and he affects this like terrible southern accent that no one in New Orleans actually has. Mark Hamill plays his best friend. It's great. Uh, so I, I came to New Orleans in like, September of 2009, and I was like hot for Halloween. I was ready. Uh, and then I also uh, was really into the New Orleans Bingo Show uh, oh, when I moved yeah. here. Yes. And um, so I, I was like dreaming, like, oh, I'm going to see them perform, and maybe I'll be their friend. And, you know, <laughs> and then I did become their friends. Nice. Uh, but uh, so I, I ended up falling in with the Noisition Coalition, who was somewhat tied to the Bingo Show, mm-hmm. and actually um, playing with them in Voodoo uh, back when Noise Co. used to be in Voodoo Fest. So. That was my first Halloween. Oh, was yeah. was marching in Voodoo with Noise Co. and oh, it was dream. That was your like, first Halloween. I cried. I yeah, was so happy. That is a- <laughs> so you're <laughs> never leaving New Orleans. No. <laughs> no. Sometimes sometimes it takes a little while to get used to New Orleans. Sometimes you just get hooked. Like oh yeah, no, I was I was very fortunate. Right on. Yeah. All right, General Blennis, what you got for us? Oh my gosh. So costuming for me, my very first very first trip here in '96 was for Mardi Gras, and I moved here when I moved here permanently was right at Mardi Gras season. So there, all these memories are sort of tied together, but for, ever since I was a child, Halloween is one of my favorite holidays ever. And like very much like we have Mardi Gras season, we have Halloween week, depending on what day of the week Halloween falls, you, I mean, you have to dress up over the weekend because that's when everybody celebrates. But then it could be like this year coming up. It's on Tuesday. So I will be costuming from basically Thursday to Tuesday. And, <laughs> and you know, and, um, it, it, yeah, we, we have those things that we keep in our closet and then kind of recycle and repurpose and, you know, sometimes just pull off a rack and sometimes just create out of nothing. Um, people were asking me last year, like I was trying to remember, I think I dressed up three or four days because I... Being in this business, we do a lot of events or work in the bars, uh, you know, every day of the, of the season. And I lost my voice at some point early in the week last year. And so I had to kind of come up with costumes that could 
purvey that. Okay. Or convey that. And so one costume, I was a um, voodoo doll that had my throat slashed and stuffing coming out of my... So oh. I took cotton balls and glued them to my neck like my legs. So <laughs> uh, another one where I was a mummy and I wrapped myself, you know, in the gauze and whatever and, and blood dripping down my throat. And so, you know, it's a, I think one, I was a mime, you know, just so I could purvey that I was not a... Um, you know, able to use my voice as much as I would have liked to. That's clever. <laughs> I love, I love so, the role play with the costumes. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. I, I am not usually able to do that on Halloween because I have to work doing ghost tours, but Mardi Gras, I love to like also be the character. I oh, love yeah. people yes, do that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the best. And then, uh, so many years ago, I'm, this is uh, like probably seven or so years ago. Um, I had a group of girlfriends that we would hang out all the time and, same thing. It's like we start on Thursday and go through. And then one night we we did sort of group costumes. One night we were all dolls left somewhere really spookily. Like I was a doll that was left in an attic and had cobwebs all over me. And another one was left in the snow and had ice crystals all over her. And another was left at a, a circus and she like made herself like like cotton candy. <laughs> so, oh. um, and then that's a creepy costume. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then that same, same like <laughs> the next night we were all Disney princesses that died at the hand of the story, you know, like somebody mauled by the beast and, you know, I, 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 think was, poisoned, I was poisoned by the apple. I yeah. love layered yeah. costumes. Yeah. And that seems like a, I mean, I won't say it seems like a new Orleans thing particularly, but you know, I see my other friends celebrating Halloween or they're looking to do it. Just like, okay, I'm going to be uh, a Disney princess. Let's yeah. say like, you know, it's like, ah, I'm like Ariel, but then like it stops there. It's like, nobody's like, okay, I'm like Ariel, but I got like a giant fish hook through my neck. Or something yeah. like that. But how did you die? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, but you, Steve, Oh, uh, first Halloween down here, I was, it was a mess. Once again, I was super underage, um, and I, I got a costume. It was, uh, I, I had this, like, pimp costume, which I would never do, but, like, I was 18, right? So, I mean, yeah, like, whatever. Back that's before what you there's, <laughs> but, there's uh, troubling gender politics are yeah, really considered. Yeah. But I, I remember my friend was like, oh, yeah, like, I want to do makeup for you. He's like, oh, whatever, let's do some makeup. So she did, like, a really, like, intricate makeup for me. I had this, like, really cool, like, long black, like, leather jacket, like, on... Um, a really fun leopard print hat for the most part. Uh, and my, my biggest memory from Halloween, uh, besides being a drunken mess, was uh, I was on Frenchman Street, and when I got into the Blue Nile, and I was trying to get a drink from the bar, just like crazy, crazy over there. And this beautiful young lady uh, was dressed as Wonder Woman, and she turned around and said, you are so hot. And that is probably the only time anybody's <laughs> ever turned around and said, you are so hot to me. Uh, and I was like, wow, can I buy you a drink? And she's like, sure. And then I made out with Wonder Woman on Halloween. And nice. that, was, that was a great, great <laughs> Halloween, you know? Nice. Made out with Wonder Woman before, like, a famous superhero in a movie. I mean, yeah. famous superhero, but didn't have a movie at the time. Fair enough. Well, cool. All right, let's get into some of these, uh, some of these stories. We, I, I assume you have some that are more lighthearted and some that sure. are very grim. Sure. And Jana, likewise, I'm sure you have some very lighthearted <laughs> stories about bartending on Frenchmen. On, on crazy party days <laughs> yeah. and some that are more grim. Yeah, I, um, but I, I do. Yeah. Well, I want to. Yeah. I, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. We did a good job of curating this episode. You're right. <laughs> um, so let's do at least. Uh, well, let's do two stories and then maybe we can take a break and then come back and do two stories. So why, hope, why don't you start off with one of your lighthearted stories and we could do a grim 
bartending story, and then we can come back and okay. do a grim ghost story and a more lighthearted bartending story. Is that good? Sure. So I, I've been a tour guide for seven years, and I've taken different routes. You know, I've, I've done um, a lot of different things. Uh, I used to not tell, for example, the Lollery Mansion for like a good chunk of time because I was just sick of it, and it's really depressing and, and mm-hmm. it's just a screwed up story. Um, these days, I think it's important to talk about, but for a while, I would I would do a completely different route and skip it. After American Horror Story came out, that was not an option. Right. I had to tell it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, back in the day when I was doing an alternate route, um, I used to basically just go to the parts of the French quarter that I, I didn't normally, uh, include in my tour and would just see different people that you don't normally see, uh, going around through the quarter. Uh, but always part of my tour, I would just talk about the sort of subculture of vampires in New Orleans, some of which has sprung up from ancient folklore, some of which comes from Anne Rice. Um, I guess probably today stuff like the originals and True Blood, um, yeah. Maybe oh, yeah. Twilight, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but I would talk about how there's there's folks who um, express the desire to drink physical blood, whether it's human or animal. Also folks who believe that they need to draw energy from other people. Um, sanguinarian versus psychic vampires, respectively. Mm. And I would go through all of this information and, you know, just sort of a practical and, and sometimes lighthearted, but, you know, try to be respectful of other people's lives. You know, I'm very much of the sort that as long as you're not, you know, hurting anybody... Do what you want, whatever gets you through life or undeath. So I would I would tell my group this every night. And a couple years back, I was doing my alternate route, going places I don't normally go. And I'm wrapping up the tour. It had to be a weekend because my group was wasted. They were <laughs> so drunk, every single one of them. Um, but they were they were happy drunk. They were not giving me trouble, which was nice. Um, but I'm finishing up and we all collectively see this guy come walking down the street and the gentleman stood out. He's very tall, um, super pale, pasty pale, uh, long, glossy black hair, you know, kind of swishing, uh, all black leather clothing. Like if they made black leather socks, he would have been wearing some black leather socks. Um, and he had on the, the pale white contacts like Marilyn Manson used to wear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gentleman stands out. My group, remember all of them drunk. So they see him and they get really excited (laughs) and they start waving and they're like, are you a vampire? And I was like, oh no, like, cause I don't, I don't know this guy's deal. Like I've I've never met him. It's not somebody I normally see in the quarter and I'm afraid. They think it's part of the tour. Have no idea. No idea. Okay. I don't think there was a lot of thinking going on. I'm going to assume that they thought it was part of the <laughs> Maybe tour. Maybe so. Either way, well, and it, they'll tour guests will yell at anybody that, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, is a thing. So I'm like trying to like, guys, ah, come down. Let's just get through this. Uh, and of course, he hears them and like comes right for us. And I'm getting ready to like mitigate the situation, <laughs> like apologize if I need to apologize or like try to get in between them. And I'm like, oh, didn't sign up for this today. And he comes right up. And so a he was actually he was not mad. He was really genial. He was really nice. Uh, and B, he had the strongest country accent I've ever heard. And I am from Kentucky. Um, <laughs> and so I always tell people, you know, picture the, the platonic ideal of like a fancy goth man. Uh, like get him in your head and then think about that cartoon King of the Hill. Um, <laughs> and specifically Boomhauer from King of the Hill. Because that was basically like he was he was hard to understand. But he basically comes up. He's like, yeah, I'm a vampire. I'm just proud to be me. Welcome to New Orleans. And uh, <laughs> he was the best. He was darling and like countryer than I've ever heard. And um, I've never seen him again. I look for him 
And I'm like, I hope he didn't get staked because it was a good guy. But um, I always tell my guests, you know, when I when I tell this anecdote, I'm like, appearances can be deceiving. You know, sometimes vampires are really nice and just incredibly country and, and great. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a lighthearted story for you. Yeah, there used to be a vampire. I used to take the St. Charles streetcar to get home when I lived uptown. I was working in the French Quarter, and there was a uh, there was a uh, self identifying vampire who mm-hmm. used to ride mostly normal clothing, but definitely had the. Uh, I think they were implants. Like yeah. he said, they were the implants. So I had like the things and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy was just a joy. He was. Yeah. Uh, he was a bit of a bit of a conspiracy theory nut. Like definitely thought nine eleven was an inside job and uh, <laughs> loved to talk about it. But I was just it was at the end of my night. It was oh. very engaging conversation. Yeah. Plus, I was probably drunk on the way home. So I mean, I was like, hey, it's good to see you again, buddy. It's right. like. And once again, he has disappeared. So it's like, oh, gosh, if there's, there, there is okay. a vampire hunter in the city right now. They're ruining my friendship base. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now let's uh, flip the coin here, I guess. Let's talk about the darker side of Halloween on Frenchman Street, perhaps. I know I, we were talking about this before we started recording, too. And Jen was like, I really love working on Frenchman Street. <laughs> but I guarantee there's got to be something that sticks in, sticks in your craw a little bit about I think of this, I'm going to use this opportunity as a word of warning that Halloween and any costume type holiday that you get into, think about where you're going to be. Think about how you're going to maneuver, whether it's outside, inside, you know, weather appropriate. Um, the biggest horror stories, honestly, are related to people who wear costumes that have extremities. They're a little too large for the space they're in. Um, you know, being underdressed when it gets really cold and freezing their butts off. You know, it's just, it's, um, most of the things when you have to deal with, um, being especially on a street and area that is so busy and so packed is, you know, being aware of like, have a great time, keep your wits about you, but do so in a respectful and mindful manner. <laughs> um, you know, it's like you get these people that come with these large uh, butterfly wings or angel wings and these like they have these beautiful costumes, but then they try to maneuver through the crowd and they're like upsetting every single person they encounter because they're smacking them in the head as they walk down the street or they come, they can barely make it through the door of your bar because they're so, they're, you know, they're so wide. It's just, yeah, we were saying, it's like, I love the chaos. And especially when I'm behind the bar, it's just like, there becomes this like Zen moment. You just get in that zone and you're just like head down, pouring drinks, having fun. You get, you know, most of the time we're in costume behind the bar. So we're in the spirit as well. Um, and then the, the horror stories come from the cleanup afterwards. <laughs> the people that have complete like it's there are times where people have ripped toilets out of the floor. You know, like this, this shouldn't it, have let the Incredible Hulk in. Right? I know, right? Exactly. Well, you know, he told you don't make him angry. Yeah, we made him angry. You know, maybe he's we stopped serving him and he got really bad. Um, but yeah, as far as the those things kind of go, it's like. It, it becomes more about the personalities that you have to deal with. And um, the inhibitions are even lower than they are on regular normal drinking mm-hmm. nights um, because they're like, oh, nobody can tell who we are. We're in costume. You know, we can be, put on this persona and kind of be an idiot. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, that's uh, just, you know, it's like have fun. Have a great time. And, you know, if you're going to go all out with a costume, believe me, this is a town to do it in. 
But if you're going to be down on Frenchman Street or on Bourbon Street, maybe think about how you're going to maneuver through all of that. <laughs> there is an element of that where when people put on... Co- I mean, New Orleans is a town where it's it's, it's not judgmental of, of what other burgs might consider poor behavior. Right. You know, there's, a, there's a lot of leeway that people get to, to misbehave, quote unquote. Um, but it is, I think you're totally right, exacerbated when people are in costume because not only is it New Orleans regular level get away with whatever you want, you're not even yourself anymore. Yes. You are inhabiting this other yeah. character yeah. and re- regardless of whether, like you could be a nun, for example, like I have at least once <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter what your character, even if it's like a very prim and proper character, the the desire to use this time in which you are no longer yourself like you can, you can, you, you, people don't even, they don't really do it on purpose, but they psychologically justify being sort of the worst parts of their id come to the surface. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that wasn't me. That was Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Mario's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, the people, it's, it's any costuming opportunity. I mean, that's one of the reasons that, that Mardi Gras exists as a masking holiday is because it allowed people to behave in ways in which they never would, knowing that yeah. this period of repentance is is right around the corner. Yeah, so people absolutely. put on these masks and inhabit their worst selves intentionally, mm. yeah. <laughs> knowing that they're they're going to have to go clean up next <laughs> on Wednesday. That's, that's ancient. I mean that that practice goes back to you know pre Christian you know the pagan pre Mardi Gras mm-hmm. celebration. Same idea. You know it's it's almost something that people have to get it out. You know in a in a controlled to some extent, mm. you know, slow burn way so that they can carry on, I guess. I heard somewhere that this is like sociological theory that cities or, or, or populations that have large street festivals are less likely to have civil unrest. Mm-hmm. That there's, there's very little rioting or, or like damaging protests or that kind of thing in cities where there are street fairs, where yeah. there's this topsy turvy, the, the bum is a king for a day mm-hmm. kind of this, Festival environment. <laughs> what festival is that? No, that's that's, that's but that's the, that's, that's, that's that's the whole idea. It's, on, it's yeah. the topsy turvy. Mm-hmm. Everything's inverted. Hunchback, but yeah, yeah when it's the Hunchback <laughs> of Notre Dame is one of the, the famous bean. examples yeah. of it. Yeah, the King yeah. of the Bean. Um, but it's the idea that it inverts these social mores in a way that's that's very that gives you a release, and yeah. that if you have that in society, like New Orleans has all of the same systemic problems that Baltimore does, that Ferguson does, that. Other places which have seen significant civil unrest in the last couple of years. New Orleans has all of those problems. What we also have is Mardi Gras. Yeah. And yeah. that gives people a valve for those for the desire to subvert the social order, I think. I've Maybe heard... that's for the good and the bad, I guess. That's true. I mean, yeah, it, it right. does mean things change yeah, less yeah. because people are like, oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll just get it out a of lot our of, system a lot of contentment, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it, it, it does breed contentment. But it also, I mean, I'd rather people not be burning cars. Yeah. yeah. I heard, I don't know if this is the case, this is sort of secondhand, that often when a, a city wins the Super Bowl, people have the joyous riot, you know, and like <laughs> yeah. just burn stuff. You see that with college games, too. They're just like, let's burn couches in our own neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And like, why? Um, <laughs> and I, I had heard, and again, this is like, I did not do this research. This is complete rumor, but that like New Orleans was the only city to win the Super Bowl and oh, then it, not like torch their own stuff. It was the politest. Like, yeah. like <laughs> we're just happy. It was the politest, happiest. It like was, yeah. everybody on the street was just joyous. Yeah. And, yeah, just and, hugging and each a, other. Yeah. And in a way that, 
even the years, all the years that I've lived here still had me in awe because I was also expecting, you know, the mm-hmm. same thing. I was expecting the writing, the like, mm-hmm. the, you know, and I was like, wow, we are really good at this. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, as opposed to a lot of other places that win these large things, like, I mean, like, when you're in, I don't know, let's, I'm on Ohio State fans, so I'll say Columbus, Ohio, because sure. when they win, they always tear up, like, you know, downtown Columbus or mm-hmm. around the campus. Um, there's nothing like Mardi Gras or a big Halloween yeah. celebration that happens there as well. Like, we know how to organize yeah. and go out and have a good time in mass. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, we have somewhat of the infrastructure of how to control that. Like, when we won the Super Bowl, we threw together an ad hoc Mardi Gras style parade for the Saints um, that we just, like, we rolled the floats out. Like, yeah. this was in the middle of Mardi Gras, too. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, okay, yeah. this fun. day. Everybody's off of school. Everybody's off of work. We're going to have this parade. And like to go through like the central business district and all that other thing, all those other places and really just to cut off the city and to be able to function like we're just kind of used to it at that point. Um, I I think that maybe it's like you were saying, Cole, it's just like, you know, we have these release valves all the time. So we don't have to be like, let's go out. I can stay up past my bedtime. There's every other weekend, almost every weekend Mm -hmm. when the weather's good, like in the fall or in the spring, there's some sort of street fair. It's like. Okay, Creole tomatoes are in season. Let's take it to the streets. Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, now we've got Crew of Boo, which is happening this weekend, which yeah. is almost as big as, you know, of, of a, it's parade. a big parade. It's, yeah. you know, it's getting there. Can... <laughs> it's the fastest parade I've ever seen. Like, oh, like yeah. It's like, I, I always re- miss it. I'm I was walking down. I was like downtown. I saw it start. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to cash out this check and run outside. And I ran outside and I caught like two floats. I was like, it's done. It's like, I was like, <laughs> I just pictured the floats like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little extra zip on those beats yeah. just from like forward momentum <laughs> alright uh, well that's going to be a pretty good place to stop we're going to now go into our new season 2 segment of Behind the Bar I think Cole's going to make us a spooky drink or is it going to be a spooky it's gonna drink? it's going to be so spooky it's going to be a spooky drink knock your socks off <laughs> alrighty y'all so we're going to do that and we'll be right back with our fantastic guests Alrighty, y'all. It's time to jump behind the bar again with a round with Stephen Cole. Uh, this week, we're going to have Cole jump behind the bar to make us uh, hopefully a very spooky drink. Oh, it's going to be so spooky. I you love that word, by the way. That's spooky. I think I think Halloween is is uh, one of my favorite things about Halloween is just being able to use the word spooky a whole bunch. Yeah, that is a good word. It's, yeah. It sounds like what it is to a certain extent, but it's fun. It's not like scary. Scary is a whole different thing. Yeah. Or they're related. I guess it's not a whole different thing, but yeah. like. Yeah, something going to be kind of spooky, but not really scary. That's sort of the sweet spot for Halloween, mm-hmm. right? Right, yeah. absolutely. All right, Cole, well, why don't you walk us through the thought process behind this uh, this libation? Uh, I really like drinks that uh, take a long time to make or kind of obnoxious for bartenders. Um, things that when they come off the wheel and you're like, really? Why would... But a lot of times those are the most delicious drinks and you know any bartender worth their salt should uh, should be more than willing to make a a, a pus cafe or a ramus or any of the a mojito is probably one of those drinks that has that sort of reputation as being super annoying so this one's in the in the pus cafe family i suppose it's a it's a variety of uh, layered cocktails that you don't really see referred to as that anymore the only one that i think you still see ordered uh probably on a regular basis um is the is the B fifty two I think so that's uh for those who might not be aware that's a layer of coffee liqueur a layer of Irish cream and a layer of whiskey that you then uh, mm. knock back all yeah. at once yep yep that's all right all right 
Uh, do you have any? Uh, do you have any like uh, any Poos cafes or, or layered drinks? I mean, you could. Uh, there's a little layered beer drinks, like your black and tans and your snake bites and that kind of thing. I would say the only one, and uh, I know we disagree on methods with making this here over a twelve mile limit, but I, I think an Irish coffee always has to have a separate layer of of uh, somewhat whipped cream on top of it. Yeah, I, I take w- a lot of pride in putting yeah. a nice layer of whipped cream. Yeah, on top Steve of my will Irish will whip cream to order for his Irish coffees, and I will simply just this is not an cream, advertisement. Coffee, whiskey. For that drink either. <laughs> I don't need a bunch of people coming in asking for Irish coffees. That's as well, fair. Steve also rarely works brunch anymore, so yeah. it's, it'll be harder and harder to get them. Although you can get them any time of day, we will happily make you listener an Irish coffee anytime. if you're willing to wait. If you for want us it. to brew coffee, yeah. If you want to be that guy. All right. Well, this one uh, we're going to start off with a a little layer. I've got my shot glass here. A little layer of our fine sponsor, Cafe Borghetti. Uh, coffee liqueur. It is an Italian coffee liqueur made with espresso beans. It is quite delightful. The one thing you need to remember when you're making any layered shot is you're going to start with the heaviest drink, uh, heaviest ingredients first. So the heavier dr- thing, uh, alcohol is light, water is sort of neutral, sugar is heavy. Mm-hmm. So if you're layering, your, your, your straight spirits will almost always go last because there's very little sugar. Uh, your uh, cream-based liqueurs, because cream is light, that's why it rises to the top, um, <laughs> is lighter than, than, than water or whatever else is in there. So your cream goes in second, and then your liqueurs, your heavier liqueurs, any syrups, if you're using any syrups, those always go in first. Uh, grenadine, things like that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with a Kahl- the, the Kahlua, not Kahlua, it's Cafe Borghetti, but it would be, it's replacing Kahlua in a B-52. So we're going to put a little bit of that, and then we got a little bit of there in the bottom. This is going to be a little quiet drink, so we're not going to... <laughs> one of the other tricks is you have, to, you have to pour very slowly, you have to pour very carefully, or else the layers will sort of... You'll, you'll lose the... The, the the lines between the layers and those clean lines are pretty important. I know there's a lot of technique to uh, layering uh, liqueurs on top of each other. Uh, do you use a spoon? Cole? I do, I do. Okay. I I think that's that's the easiest way I found it. If you pour over a spoon uh, or the spoon has uh, like right above the surface, le- wherever the surface is, if it's the whatever the next layer is, the first layer it doesn't really matter. You just pour it, in. and then the second one you want to pour put a spoon that sits just over the level where you want the top of the the current liquid that's in there and pour down the spoon so it it doesn't fall as far but the farther it falls the the more it'll want to mix in with a layer below it similar to if you're pouring uh anything that that's effervescent uh like a beer or a sparkling wine you don't want to hold the bottle or the tap so high up that it the the liquid falls so far that when it hits it just explodes you mm-hmm. want to you want to Pour it really softly and as, as slowly as possible. So we got the second layer here. We got Kerrygold Irish Cream Liqueur, also from our from our sponsors over at Infinium Spirits. Kerrygold is super delicious. If you're familiar with the Irish Butter brand, they literally use the same cream, and it's uh, it's it's cream, cocoa, sugar, whiskey. It's still a very authentically old school Irish cream liqueur. So we're gonna carefully get a layer of that in here. And then, in honor of our guest today, we will have a our top layer be a uh, about a half ounce of ghost tequila. Keeping the drink nice and spooky. Keeping it nice and spooky. It's gonna start off real spicy. There's not a there's not a ton of sugar in ghost tequila. I don't think there's any actually. I think I it's just think pepper fla- pepper flavoring naturally, uh, natural pepper flavoring in tequila. Uh, we we should I think acknowledge that if you if you want to use an unflavored tequila in your cocktail that are benevolent sponsors have Coralejo tequila, which is quite excellent as well. But they don't have a flavored tequila, so we're, I don't think we're stepping on any toes to, <laughs> to top this off with a little ghost. 
So, Harry, there we have it. I've decided to call this the Boo 52 <laughs> instead of the B 52. And yeah, I'll start off spicy and then I'll finish nice, sweet, and creamy. Uh, just the perfect, not just spooky enough, not so scary. Right on. For, for all of our, our Halloween enthusiasts. Perfect. Excellent. That looks great, Cole. All right. Well, let's uh, make a couple of these, take them back out to the patio, and uh, get on with this episode. Yeah. All right. And we're back here with Around with Stephen Cole with our two fantastic guests, Hope and Jen O'Blenis. Uh So while we were uh, talking right before we came back with Drinks in Hand, uh, we were talking about Halloween movie specials because there's there's few times in the year um, that there are accompanying movies. Like Fourth of July is a great a lot of fun. You go out, you barbecue and everything like that. I can't think of any 4th of July movies, but I can think of Halloween movies and Christmas movies, yeah. definitely. So uh, Halloween specials. And there's some that I'm you know, just kind of sick of for the most part. I'll throw out my controversial opinion first before we get into the, everybody's favorite underrated special. But I don't really like The Nightmare Before Christmas as a Christmas movie or as a Halloween movie. Um, I just, I don't know. I grew up with it, too. But it's just one of those things where it's like, I just think it's a little bit of a flat message. Um, I don't know, probably just lost 20 listeners there. But. What's the, the message being like, don't step out of your zone? Um, it, it's, it's just simple. It's just like, appreciate what you've got. It's like, okay. <laughs> I don't, cool. there's, the music works, the, the visuals work. I mean, the story's a little, little passe, but it, I think there's enough right. about it that, that redeems it that I, th- yeah. I still find it charming. So uh, we're going to talk about, uh, just real quickly, I guess, about uh, some of the Halloween specials that maybe you haven't seen that you should see, or if you have seen it and don't think about it, maybe you should revisit it. Uh, I'm going to lead off. Uh, this was playing at the bar last night, and I completely got sucked in, and it pushed my clothes back a little bit because I was like, I'm going to watch the end of this movie. But uh, Paranorman, um, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Really great. Is that from the same director? Yeah. It's, as, the same, it's either the same director or the same studio. I always get confused with that, but um, I feel like... Nightmare, Nightmare Before the Christmas, like definitely the visuals are really great and that yeah. style, but it's been refined so much recently. Like Coraline is fantastic mm-hmm. as well. Box I think Trolls was in the same the same uh-huh. studio, and that was fabulous. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, but it was really. I've not seen that one, but yeah, but Paranorman's great. The message is really it's like it's a dark movie, yeah. but it's dark in like a good way. It's like it's just something I think you could watch. I don't have kids, but if I I could I could see myself watching this with like my nephew one day, my, my <laughs> young nephew, and being like he's like. Oh, this is kind of scary. It's like, good. It should be scary. And pay attention. This yeah. Is, this is a good message here. I felt that way with Coraline, actually. Coraline, I was like, yeah, I, absolutely. I, didn't, I actually, I think I got into it like a, a third of the way or half of the way into it. And then I remember like, oh, this is going to be like great to watch. I was like, this is a little scarier than I expected really it scary. to be. The other mother is a really terrifying yeah. 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 But I mean, it was beautifully done. I oh, yeah. Sad. Uh, my favorite of all time Halloween movies is Monster Squad. <laughs> I was just thinking about this recently. And uh, yeah, the, I think the 80s put out some really good ones. But uh, I mean, most people know Monster Squad, you know, unless you're very new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, there was also that something that it kind of I get reminded of now and again. It was a made for TV movie, probably in the early 90s, late 80s, uh, that was... If you think about it, it was a little bit like the thriller um, video where, you know, it's Halloween and this person sort of comes from the dead who was from the 50s and they, you know, it's Halloween. So everybody's in costume and they're not quite sure what's going on, but they meet and she like, I'm going to get this twisted because I don't remember if it was like a girl that was from the 50s and meets a guy and then they sort of fall in love over the night. But everything sort of goes away. I, 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 it was one of those movies. Don't, don't was know it, the name of it. I don't. Or was I, it just like she was dead? 
She was dead. I feel like she was. was Susie Q? That might have been it. I don't I don't know that that was horror. My sister was obsessed with that movie. I think it was it, made for it, Disney and Kimberly from Power Rangers. Yeah, the Susie Pink Q. Ranger was in that. I remember mm-hmm. that movie. Huh. Yeah, no Halloween it, in that one, though. Yeah. yeah, this was, I just remember it being on like a NBC or something, just a regular, you know, TV channel. And, mm. you know, when I was a kid and I was like, I had it on, v, I recorded it on VHS and <laughs> watched, um, watched it over and over, over again. But I, to this day, don't remember the name of the movie. Well, what you got yeah. for us? So. Um, I love Halloween movies. I love 80s Halloween movies with all the practical effects. Mm. They make me super happy. But in terms of something that people might not know about, um, there is a basically like a, I think it's a 10 episode uh, cartoon one-off special called Over the Garden Wall that I've gotten really into in the past couple of years and just watch it every year. And it's it's Halloween-esque. It's, it's more autumnal than anything else. There, mm-hmm. were, there are Halloween scenes. Um, and it's super charming. It's the entire look of it is based on like turn of the century Americana, like the weird paper mache pumpkin faces mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, old fashioned concepts of death. And there's a there's a monster. It's 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 hard to explain, but yeah. it's very charming um, and good music. And just I don't know. It's wonderful. <laughs> look it up. It's it's a quick watch. Um, good Over for the kids or adults. Wall? Yeah. Over the garden wall. Okay. It's basically a, a kind of a middle school, maybe high school boy and his his little brother um, get lost in the unknown, which is this forest, and it kind of just drops you into the story and doesn't offer a lot of explanation until the last episode as to what why they're actually there. Um, it's wonderful. Okay. All right. Uh, I discovered a movie recently that I have just I, I watched it for the first time because. Uh, very very recently, the director Toby Hooper passed away. Mm-hmm. He's probably best known for directing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the original uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then uh, there's only one Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> well, the, well, there's there, the, the sequel's there pretty sequel great too, and also the remake. There's four sequels, and I think they're making another one. I think there's another one coming out this year. Shut your mouth. Hey, I'm I'm just the messenger <laughs> man. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, but Toby Hooper, he was a, he was a good director, but he, he developed a pretty severe coke problem, and he directed Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And it, oh. legend has it that Steven Spielberg, who was the producer on Poltergeist, had to come back in and sort of reshoot everything because Toby Hooper was a, was a, was pretty messed up. Um, but th- those were both very successful movies, and so he got a contract with Hammer Films. Hammer Films, um, they made just a, some of the best terrible movies of the 70s and 80s and I think into the 90s. They made Superman 4, which is just a legendarily terrible film. Oh, no, that's canon. That canon films. That's canon. sorry, canon films. That's the one. Um, but yeah, so he got a, he got a gig with canon films. And the the first movie he made with canon films, and I only discovered this because I was reading an obituary of his, is called Life Force, which is oh, based, is so based on the novel yeah. Space Vampires and should have definitely been called Space, Space Vampires. Vampires. It would have, it would have I been much more successful. I vaguely remember this movie. But it's yes. just, yeah, it's got all, all of the canon films. Like, it's got terrible special effects. Mm. Um, it's got just like rampant nudity, just gratuitous <laughs> violence. The story doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but the cast is really good. The production design is really good. And Toby Hooper, for all his coked out weirdness, was would brought a lot of, of really unique energy to that film. And it's got an early Patrick Stewart before he was famous. Mm. It's like he's possessed by the space vampire. And awesome. he was like lots of lots of Patrick Stewart yelling. It's 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 great. Yeah. I I could not high, more highly recommend Life Force. This is really escaping me right now, but uh, another fun Toby Hooper movie. It's uh, it's probably based in Louisiana, but it's one where like uh it's some hotel where like uh 
there's I, I can't remember all the details, but there's like a hotel and they keep killing people with like a giant fake looking alligator like in the back. Like, <laughs> like guests come in and the guy's like, ah, I'm going to kill you with my giant alligator in the back. <laughs> but I, God, I can't remember the name. I'll Crocodile. Probably... No, definitely not. Well, Crocodile. he directed a movie called Crocodile, for the record. I'm okay. just looking at his IMDb page now. He's got a type. <laughs> <laughs> the Mangler, that was a good one. That that's a good one, actually. I've never seen that. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that I think had, I, I watch a lot of horror movies. I think Spontaneous Combustion, the movie? That's not the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real misleading title. Invaders from Mars. By watch, the, by, go ahead. Oh, by the way, um, I don't know if you guys ever saw them, but uh, the Showtime Masters of Horror uh, was a Eaten Alive. Oh, yeah. Eaten, Eaten Alive. alive. There one. you yeah, go. That mm-hmm. is the one. That is the movie. Eaten Alive for all you horror fans out there. But uh, <laughs> the Master of Horror series was really cool, and they're all these one-hour horror movies. They're kind of hit or miss, but I mean, it's like Larry Cohen's on there, and uh, Toby Hooper doesn't. It. Toby Hooper does a really crazy episode on there. Uh, they get Takeshi Miike, a uh, famous Japanese horror director, on there as well. Like That is a, a really crazy series to watch. Um, it's kind of hard to find box sets of it anymore. It wasn't really popular, but <laughs> I, I love anthology horror. Trick or Treat, you guys ever see that movie, too? It's a modern oh, yeah. anthology movie. Yeah. Pretty solid, for the most part. As far as like a Halloween movie because yeah. it's not anything like great but just like everything's like super Halloween in that movie. Anthology wise I watched Creep Show for the first time last uh, oh, last week yeah. and it was great. It was really fun. Yeah. Stephen King just being <laughs> a goofy plantman. Yeah, yeah. It was it was cute and uh, again like practical effects can't yeah. go wrong. Leslie Nielsen's a bad guy. Yeah. Oh he's so right? scary. Yeah. Like I've never seen Leslie Nielsen be intimidating <laughs> and he's genuinely intimidating. Yeah. Creepshow is great. We could go on about horror movies forever, yeah, but yeah. that's a that's a new podcast. We're gonna talk <laughs> talking horror movies. <laughs> right. Spin off of around with Stephen Cole. Right. Alrighty. Uh, so I think we're gonna jump back into uh, scary, spooky stories. So uh, Cole, what we got with that? Well, uh, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get back into uh, hope. If you want to take away some something a, t- a true tale of the macabre sure. that might be uh, so uh, yeah. Trigger warning. That there's something that would require some sort of trigger warning. Like that there's like Ooh, something okay. that'd be really like, oh my god, I can't All believe right. that is an actual true it's story like of, of death and and the demise of an innocent I don't know. Sure. Oh, you're the pro. Right. <laughs> what do you got um, for us? So for, for true tales um that might require trigger warnings or might make people who love murder podcasts super happy. If you're like a my favorite <laughs> murder fan. Um they did this one, but I'm I'm gonna Tell it again because it's it's a great one. Um, the Demon Axe Man of New Orleans, uh, which a lot of people, if you've watched American Horror Story, um, they touch on him in that third season, Coven, which drew a lot uh, of inspiration from history, but then kind of went off and did its own thing. Um, Axe Man was real. Uh, he was stalking New Orleans uh, between 1918 and 1919. Uh, so turn of the century, you know, beginnings of jazz uh, and and a definitely an interesting time in our history if you get a chance to to read about that period um it's fascinating it's the end of storyville uh our legal red light district uh in the city there's um uh mafia presence is starting to come in um different immigrant groups that were not super um populous before like the italians the irish and this all plays into this uh sort of stew that the axe man is working in uh so may 25th 1918 joseph and Catherine maggio uh joseph is a grocer and then his wife Catherine. uh they're attacked in their home at magnolia and Upperline street uh and their bodies are discovered the next day and it, it's really a grisly scene uh so what they deduce has happened is that the assailant who, who later becomes known as the axe man uh essentially uses a hammer and chisel to make a hole in their front door in the wood of their door slide his arm through, let himself in, 
and basically just creeps around the house, getting the lay of the land for a good while. So he's going to figure out where the man and wife are sleeping. He's going to figure out where their kitchen is, and he's going to go to their back shed, and he's going to get their personal axe. Most people at that time had a wood chopping axe, just, you know, had fires. Um, He'll take the axe, he's going to go to their bedroom, and he's going to split their skulls, um, kill them in their beds. They're dead. Uh, and then he's going to hang out. He's going to eat some of their food, drink some of their wine, kind of chill in their house for a while and then leave. And he's going to leave the axe, the bloody axe, where he found it. Um, so you put it back in the shed? Uh, I can't remember if he put it back in the shed or if he just like left it on the floor. It's easy to find. They always find the axe. Um, and he apparently did this barefoot because they find these bloody barefoot prints around the house, which I don't know why, but that makes it more Even scary creepy. to me yeah. that he's like a barefoot guy. Um so there's at least six more attacks that year. Three of those six are unsuccessful. Um, he did not always kill his intended victims. Uh, there was one time where he tried to chisel in through the door and there was like boxes of canned tomatoes in the way. And so he just like <laughs> makes a hole but can't get in. Um, there's one occasion where the door's just really thick and he runs out of time and has to run away, but they find the hole that he tried to make. Uh, and then there's another time where he manages to get in the house, but the guy is not home because he's like cheating on his wife with his his girlfriend on the side. <laughs> so canned tomatoes and affairs will save your life. They will save you from the axe man <laughs> and thick doors. You know, can't, can't overlook thick doors. Um, but he has a very specific MO. So he always targets these um, Italian immigrants, um, often people who were shop owners or grocers. And the police, as a result, ignore it. Um, they think this is like, this is an Italian deal. We're not going to get involved. It's probably the mafia. You know, let them handle it. We're, we're not going to mess with it. Um, but it starts to get a little bit more serial killer-ish as time goes on. There's um, messages scrawled uh, on the ground. For example, with Joseph and Catherine, there's this message chopped on the sidewalk that says, uh, Mrs. Maggio will sit up tonight. Just ask Mrs. Tony, which they never figured out what that actually meant. Um, and so he actually, he goes quiet for a while. Uh, and then he comes back in 1919. So the following year in the spring, um, there's going to be a really, I, I mean, they're all tragic, but this one's really messed up. He attacks another Italian couple, um, Rosie and Charles Cortomiglia. Uh, the couple lays down with their daughter uh, and Rosie, the wife, awakens to her husband struggling with the killer and collapsing. Uh, the killer comes at her and despite her pleading, strikes her and her daughter. Um, the mother survives, the, the little baby dies. Um, essentially, she gets knocked out. She wakes up to find her husband and child are dead. Uh, and she can only describe this, this assailant as this tall, shadowy figure wielding an axe. Um, she can't get facial figures on the person um, or facial, facial features. It's, it's almost like it's a ghost or a demon. Um, and then March 13th of 1919, we get a letter to the Times-Picayune. Um, and this is kind of like the from hell letter with uh, Jack the Ripper, possibly inspired by stories of Jack the Ripper. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because the Axe Man's super wordy. He likes to hear him. <laughs> um, but he dates at hell. March 13th, 1919. <laughs> Esteemed mortal. <laughs> they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. And he goes on to, to talk about himself a lot. Talk about how he's like super tight with the devil. Um, <laughs> talks about how he could kill anybody who wants to and the police will just ignore him. He's, he's very arrogant. Uh, and then he, he makes a proposition. He says, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music. 
And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared at whose home a jazz band is, is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. And it's almost like an angel of death Old Testament situation where, like, if you play the jazz, you're safe. Uh, and so people did. They absolutely took this to heart. They went out to, to concerts. They played jazz in their home. They bought, you know, records. Uh, and sure enough, the Axeman did not kill anybody. Um and he's never caught. So he, he does attack a few more people. Um, again, no one can ever get a, a clear description of him. Uh, and he essentially disappears. We think he probably just left town. Uh, it seems like he might have gone through Texas down into Mexico and then disappears because you see kind of similar murders. Um, a lot of people are, are uh, brought to court for it, but no one ever actually is, is given a solid conviction. Uh, sometimes there were people that just happened to be walking around with axes uh, that, that people are like, it must be the guy. <laughs> and there was, there was an example of a, uh, like a six foot two drag queen that happened to be like carrying an ax, just like doing her thing. And of course people try to say it's her. I just clearly not. Um, but yeah, so the ax man really does go down in history as probably our most famous of that kind. Of serial killer, there was a song written about the whole thing called "The Axeman's Jazz." Papa, don't scare me, uh, which I've never been able to find the lyrics, but you can find the music on YouTube. People mm. have played it, and then it's just a side kind of funny note. I went back and looked at all this on Wikipedia just to kind of like refresh uh, before this, and somebody—it's probably edited now. Somebody had gone in and edited the Axeman's note to just make it funnier, and so there was one where they were like. If you wish, you may tell the police not to rustle my jimmies. Like, they just put memes in there, basically. Um, but it's probably gone now. It was great, though. Whoever did that, good job. It didn't last. <laughs> right on. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I did not know that story. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, I, serial killers seem, like, once you get away with a couple of them, they get real cocky. Yeah. 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 And, but I guess uh, the, the famous ones who have written letters that I'm thinking of, like Jack the Ripper, mm-hmm. the Zodiac Killer, sure. famously wrote a bunch of letters to the press. And uh, this, this yeah. X-Man, none of them were caught. Of yeah, those no, three, Zodiac. Yeah, and Jack the Ripper, too. It's the same guy. It's the same. Well, you <laughs> well if that he's an immortal demon, then there's yeah, maybe definitely tour guides that'll be like, they're all the same. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the one thing, and this is... Just for, for history's sake, I have to say, uh, some people argue that the Axeman did not actually write that letter, that the guy who wrote the letter was a jazz musician who yeah. was just trying to like <laughs> drum up some sales or a, a jazz writer. That's totally possible. But either way, it's 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 the most famous part of the story is hmm. that he was a jazz fan. So, hmm. yeah. Did you have you watched uh, or read? I guess, but this this is more apropos to the to the to the TV series uh, Preacher. The um, I'm about halfway through it. Okay. I've, I've watched the first season and then I've got about halfway through the comic. I'm actually reading it right now. It's uh, there's there's vampires in New Orleans mm-hmm. and it's some there's some it's very macabre. Oh, yeah. um, but I just one of the that part. Yeah. one of the clues that there it's about a, a, a disillusioned preacher and his his friends or his, his girlfriend and their vampire buddy. Yeah, they're going on a search for God because God is God has gone missing from heaven, but is somewhere on earth. And they know that the last place that they've, he's been seen is in New Orleans, and they know that because he's a he's a huge fan of jazz, right? So like, and that's so they, they does he like axes? <laughs> Did they put that in dogma too? The Did they have? God no, that was jazz and dogma. No, he loves ski ball and dogma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I love dogma. Is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Genuinely, I love that movie. I don't like ski ball because you don't get a lot of tickets for it, and like you think you're doing well, and then like three <laughs> tickets come out, like it's a real bummer. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Just saying, like I mean, it's like oh man. I like, went to an arcade 20, when I was bucks. younger that we got 
all of the tickets at Ski Ball. That's yeah. why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you just hand your ball to the friend and they have them put it in the farthest up oh, right? I've done that, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you get tickets at Ski Ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Now, switching from uh, from 1919 New Orleans to, uh, to uh, 2000s, uh, yeah, to, to New Millennium New Orleans. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hear it, Jen, what you got about... Maybe a specific super fun time during Halloween on Frenchman Street. One particular um, memory stuck out when when you guys were talking about this, and I was again trying to come up with the you know the more horror stories, and I was like, God, these were always great times. Um, <laughs> so when I first moved here, I worked at a place some of you may or may not know called Marini Brasserie. It is right right on Frenchman, right on Royal Street, right on the corner, lots of windows, you're out, you're on display. People called it a fishbowl for a while. Um, at the time, when it first opened, it was a very fine dining, white tablecloth type of restaurant. But yet there are times of the year we would have to let loose a little. Mardi Gras Halloween, you know, comes to mind. And I had a wonderful, wonderful crew of people that I worked with. And, you know, we would and some wonderful owners who let us kind of run amok, if you will. And uh, so every Halloween, we would be in costumes. Uh, we would kind of take the white tablecloths away, but yet still try to, you know, have some semblance of a nice atmosphere for a, the beginning portion of the evening. Because after a while, it just became a shit show. Um, <laughs> and it was a concrete floor, and it was sort of built um, with a, a, a partition in the middle and... At night, sometimes some of us were fond of roller skating while we were sweeping, and we would roller skate and sweep around the floor. So um, this one particular Halloween, we were all in costume. I lived down the street. I had made jello shots that we had hid in the kitchen. So every time we went back for to pick up a dish to drop off a plate, you know, we would <laughs> stand around and do jello shots and then come out. And we were having as much fun as the... Uh, as the guests were at that point in time, we were just like, well, here we go. We just got to be a part of the, you know. Did anybody eat it? Did anybody? Oh, no. Um, just, I'm like, sh- just like, just eat shit. Well, yeah, I, I think I think I do remember at one point where, yeah, we just, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it happens. I can, and I, who's to say whether that was that particular Halloween night? Because we kind of roller skated a couple of different times, <laughs> but um, yeah. Those, those are the, those, those are why I love you can be as classy of a joint as you want to, but Halloween, yeah, you just become that alter ego and you're like, well, we're going to let her hair down. We're going to go with this and we're going to have a great time doing it. Right on. It's funny. The uh, Marini Brasserie, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's changed the concepts a little bit since then. It changed management a little time since then. So I hope this oh, isn't yeah. taking... O- owners and, and yeah, the, it's a completely different place. Like a yeah. From inside out. Yeah, there was yeah, a, yeah. This would have been, for me, this, the, the, I had an experience at Marion Brasserie that this is one of those, like for those, those days in the service industry where... You're you're just not gonna be batting a thousand. Yes. I I made the mistake Absolutely. of joining some friends for brunch at Marini Brasserie on November first one year. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this would have like been about skates and yellow shots. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been eight or nine years ago. And I I'm sure there were down a couple of people in the kitchen who just didn't show up that day. <laughs> and there were down probably a couple of people in the front of the house, but uh it, it was it was not an not a great service experience. Yes. I'll just put it that yeah, way. And one, it was one of those times where I, my friends all got there an hour before I did. I was like, eh, I'll just, I'll, I'll meet him there. And I was like, I'll oh, just order for me. I'm on my way. And I got there and not only had the food not come, they had not even ordered yet. 
because oh, yeah. of the service. Why, why were slow. they still there? So he said, because I possibly because I was on my way to oh, okay. meet them there. I, so blame me. But <laughs> we ordered shortly after I got there, and the food took so long that I ended up going across the street to, to Washington Square, which is right across the street. There was a guy selling ribs out of a cart. So I got, <laughs> yeah. I got a barbecue plate across the, the street, street faster than you. Yeah, and then it finished my brunch before our food came. Uh, but yeah, so don't, but. Don't expect too much if you're going out for brunch on November 1st. That was our fault (laughs) as much as anyone else. I think there were many years that we just decided, well, at the time we weren't, we wouldn't even open for lunch because we knew what the (laughs) state, the staff was going to be in afterwards. But but yeah, for sure. You have to know what to expect the next morning if you're going to. We all like to enjoy our holidays as much as you guys. Is um, that the is that the hardest day after like service day here in New Orleans? I think so. Because I think Mardi Gras, a lot of people end their Mardi Gras early. Yeah. You know, yeah, because Mardi definitely. Gras it lasts a month and it escalates and escalates and escalates and escalates. And it kind of peaks at like 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. on Tuesday. And then it's like, all right, maybe we'll find some place to get some Chinese food. It's worse than <laughs> yeah. New Year's Day? I th- Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, this I one, this like, one was particularly yes. bad because it was a Saturday Halloween and we were going to Sunday brunch. So yeah. the brunch was especially busy and the Halloween itself lined up with the natural day that we celebrate. So it was like two <laughs> Halloweens on top of each other followed right. by a Sunday brunch. Yeah. yeah. So yeah that was, that was usually just, just a oof. Saturday night. Yeah. Halloween, weather Halloween. I'm sure there'll be this year too because Halloween's a Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a Saturday night Halloween and then a right. actual Halloween. Real yeah. Halloween. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Where all those people aren't quitters out there. <laughs> I, I feel like you're onto something there because, like, yeah, exactly what Cole was saying. It's like, yeah, we. It doesn't matter. You you start your day so early on Mardi Gras, and you're it's usually over earlier. And kind of the same with New Year's. It's like New Year's in the service industry. You really don't have time to join the party. Mm-hmm. And by the time it's done, you're like toast. You would mm-hmm. you know just want to be done. So it's uh, I, Halloween is kind of different, especially mm-hmm. here. Like. Yeah, because yeah, Halloween. I remember like their Halloweens where I worked and then got out and then went and joined the party yeah. and was like out partying until yeah. the sun comes up. Basically, yeah. I mean, it's so. Um, I th- I don't know if we've talked about that. I don't think we talked about this on this podcast before. Maybe has we've had enough podcasts that it should have come up. But you know, a lot of people say now, and you worked on uh, Frenchman Street for a long period of time. We all have our experiences with Frenchman Street, but Frenchman Street is not the same as it was. That it was oh. quote unquote better before, and it was better before. You know, that's mm-hmm. that is the conversation that happens, and I, I definitely see there's been very much a shift, and more of that is just a product of social media sure. and like you know listicles and things like that, where just more people know about Frenchman Street. It just has become that place that people go to do things. Like you know, a lot of people they'll go to the extreme and say like you know, oh Frenchman Street is like the new Bourbon Street now. Like like Bourbon Street is like super thirsty. Like Frenchman Street is the new Bourbon Street, and now they always like throw out their opinion about what the new Frenchman Street is. Like I hear saying. A lot, a lot of yeah. it's, it's coming up. Yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> Siberia doesn't do metal shows anymore, so whatever. Yeah, weird. <laughs> so, um, with that maybe in Saint mind, Bernard, Saint Bernard be the new Bourbon Street. Maybe yeah. not my neighborhood. No, not that's my, not not me to say. I exactly. wouldn't want to wish that on anybody. I, I know that that's yeah. just it. Me yeah, don't, don't take the neighborhood. I, so away I people. literally have lived in the Marini the entire time I've lived in New Orleans, and when I moved here, I lived on Marini at Royal. So I was, you know, just two blocks over from Frenchman at one point in time, you know, around Katrina, I actually lived on the block. So I was on Royal street, one block away from Frenchman street, but this is my hood. I I have watched it change. And even before I lived here and, and visited, and I remember when blue Nile was still, um, a thing 
and or I'm sorry, Cafe Brazil. Mm. Cafe Brazil was like oh, yeah. open and like that was one of the three three places that was businesses that yep. were like other than like the doctor's office and things like that. But um it's it's nice to see that type of like the business grow and the revenue for places grow and the the fact that places have been able to open there economically. But I definitely miss the old days where, you know, I, I haven't been to the spotted cat in probably six or seven years because it's a small space. And for me to be able to get inside and enjoy, you know, the music and the, it's, it's difficult. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, we all love our tourist dollars and we all love that, you know, that's how we make our living, but it, it is, it's, you know, it, it, you're right. It, it, a lot of it is social media. A lot of it is the fact that there's more knowledge and, and just a, a shift in that's coming less of a neighborhood and more of yeah. an entertainment district, yeah. basically. Yeah. So in context of this show as well, uh, how do y'all feel about, um, Halloween, how it's changed. I mean, one of the things, I think there's two factors. One, Frenchman Street mm-hmm. becoming more well-known, less of just a local hangout place. Also, Voodoo Fest has become much more commercial. It's much bigger acts. I think it's become a bigger music festival than it has been like in the past. It's grown, definitely. Um, I think there's more people who are coming down for that as well, too. So I think that there's this influx of more people from out of town. Has Halloween started to move away from being a local celebration, or you know, are we moving into different areas to be able to celebrate Halloween as locals here in New Orleans, as opposed to... Because to me, it always used to be like, let's go to Frenchman Street. Now I'm like, man, I don't think I want to go to Frenchman <laughs> no. Street. Yeah. Yeah, I went to Frenchman Street on Halloween or on the Saturday before Halloween, whichever was the appropriate day that year to go to Frenchman Street. For the I'd done it every year. It was just the thing you do is go down to Frenchman Street on the Saturday before Halloween, where everyone went. Yeah. Um, and the last time was probably two or three years ago, and it was so dense with people you could barely move. Yeah. And yeah. It, there was just there was just no room to exist really. Yeah. Well, the fact that they Street block anymore. off for, uh, Bourbon Street and they will not. I, I they think don't block French they don't block Frenchman <laughs> Street, so they, people still expect to. I, I think they change mm. or try to drive. Try to drive. It, yeah, people no. try to drive, and and I um I I think they may have actually changed that last year. I feel like that's something. One of the holidays they did decide to block the street. Um, I feel that if if Halloween falls on a different day than the weekend, this Tuesday for this year Tuesday for instance that going to Frenchman on the actual holiday is way more enjoyable Mm. Mm -hmm. because people do have to work the next day. Most of the people that come in for Voodoo Fest are already gone, you know, and, and as long as it doesn't fall on that weekend, I think it's definitely more enjoyable. But if you try to celebrate Halloween over the weekend, it's like one, one year I was working at DBA. This is a couple years ago. And, I was going in at like mid shift at like nine or so. And it took me a, nearly a half an hour to walk from the corner of Royal and Frenchman to DBA, which is halfway down the block <laughs> <laughs> to walk down the street. Took mm-hmm. me almost a half an hour. So, you know, um, you just kind of have to know what you're getting into, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. These last couple of years, I've stayed in Mid-City for, to celebrate Halloween, and I've had a great time. And it seems like more and more people are doing that. It used to be that the 12 Mile and Finns and some mm-hmm. of the other bars in Mid-City were, were dead on Halloween because everyone was downtown. But now I think downtown has become so thick 
yeah. that that the other neighborhoods in the city are starting to see more business on Halloween, which is nice for yeah. for me. I mean, as a business yeah. owner of a bar yeah. in the city. For, um, but for, ahead, oh, sorry, sorry the, the, uh, but I, I I think just generally, Jen, I, I agree with you that if if when I when I find myself on Frenchman Street these days, it's on a weekday. Yeah, like it's it's a day that I'm going out, but I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's not a it's not a Friday or Saturday night. It's like a Tuesday night, and yeah. it's like, oh, let's go out. Oh yeah, we can go we can go down to to the Spotted Cat tonight because I know it's not going to be super crowded. You know, yeah. but bum around in the art market, and it's, it's still a really nice place to go. Be there, are pl- tons of options on any night. Well, and here's a pro tip too. It's like a lot of people don't want to pay cover charge, so DBA has a cover charge that is all for the band. All the money goes to the entertainment, hmm. and with the people that don't want to pay makes means that they stay out. Mm-hmm. So if you want sort of a safe haven and a clean bathroom and, you know, like less of a crowd. Come to 12 mile limit. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's, but still be, you know, still have that Frenchman experience there. Just remember that the clubs that have a cover charge may be less credit inside than yeah. you, uh, than you think that they will be. Yeah. That's clever. I, uh, I haven't had a proper just Halloween off, in seven years uh, because I've been a tour guide mm-hmm. for seven years. So my, my very first Halloween was was that Voodoo Fest Halloween. And I did go to Frenchman that year. And even back then, I feel like it was shoulder to shoulder. It was really tough. Yeah, 2009. That's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then ever since, I've, I mean, inevitably done a ghost tour six to eight and then eight to ten because that's, I mean, that's our night. You got right. it. Ev- mm-hmm. All hands are on deck. Yeah. Um, and... It's busy, you know, and occasionally, you know, a couple of times it's poured rain. And so we all start with, you know, full groups that like have themselves by the end of the night. But by that time, you know, I I don't normally get to go out too much. I'll usually just go back to the bar where the tour started. Flanagan's back in the day. Now the beauty lounge. Mm Loved Flanagan's. Flanagan's. Uh, That was that that hideaway like bar. Oh, it was wonderful. It was so good. And uh, so it's it's sort of successor, which is the voodoo lounge. A lot of the same people. That's usually where I go. And I just sort of, honestly, it's, it's the rest of the tour guides decompressing on Halloween night, but we like to dress up and we'll still, you know, we'll still have fun. Is there a premium to run tours on Halloween? And like, it's like, this is the Halloween night tour. So no, you charge the same same price. We do. I mean, maybe other companies, you know, capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I suppose they could tell my boss, Um, but no, she, where are you boss? (laughs) Right. No, she's, she's very fair. It's a good company to work for. That's cool. Yeah. But still, I'd be like, double cost Halloween Well, she probably could make it because we do. We, I mean, every company sells out Halloween night. Yeah. So that might be, I don't know. But yeah. we don't. Yeah. Cool. It's just regular. Right on. Well, we got a couple minutes left. And um, I got to say, after talking about um, after talking about uh, movies earlier, I, I would love to just do some hot takes on favorite Halloween things. So uh, you guys feel feel down for that? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Halloween, just, just Halloween things in general? Got it. Got it. I got a whole, whole list of okay, my head. Okay. You All go right? first. Boom. All right. Well, I'm just going to name the topics and you guys have to pick things. Okay. Okay. Uh, best Halloween candy, worst Halloween candy. Ooh. I'll take uh, the full size individually wrapped Reese's cup. Best, Ooh, best Halloween, Halloween candy. Like the double cup, right? Oh. Yeah, that's uh, but just the, oh, a single yeah, one. Okay, a single, single, one. Yeah. single okay. individually wrapped. But yeah. That's the best? What's the that's worst? That's the best. Um, gum. 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 <laughs> that's, a bad, that's, a, that's a bad Halloween candy. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, I really enjoy um, the, the Halloween medley bag that contains dots. Okay. Uh, I love the dots. It's usually like milk duds, dots, and something else. Yeah. But that's that's a good mix. Worst, my mom loves them, and I always hated them. Those uh, black and orange, like peanut butter pumpkin, it was like old fashioned oh, yeah, candy. Yeah, yeah. I did not care for those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Cole took my best, but um, my, <laughs> my my other one, I would say, I love. I, I I have a hard time eating a whole 
full size Snickers bars, so the little fun size Snickers mm-hmm. bars. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Worst, a lot of people think the candy corn is the worst. I think, and it, in theory, I should love this because I love the the actual thing is the caramel apple candies that you get that were sort of sour and oh, I remember those and sweet. Those were so popular in elementary school. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, yeah, yeah, and and. Yeah, I love caramel. I love actual, actual caramel apples, but yeah, getting those candies was such a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> they would cut your mouth. They yeah, would, yeah, they, they, yeah, they cut your mouth. Weren't they like gushers? They had the caramel on the inside. Like there was the. I feel see, like I remember the ones that were caramel on the outside, and then like razor sharp apple lollipop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know this candy? I don't know this. No, candy. it had a green wrapper. Yeah. yeah, they were very yes, popular. Yeah. I remember yeah. those. Yeah. Steve, mm-hmm. what are yours? Uh, Oh, fun size candy bars all the way. Like it mm-hmm. just there's something about it. You don't feel as bad eating a fun size candy bar. <laughs> you get a handful like, of fun size candy bars. Yeah, I think it's that thing. It's like you know when you want like a half and a half. It's like I want a full size candy bar, but I kind of want a Snickers and a Baby Ruth. It's like, oh yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Got it. I Why made it, guys. Uh, okay. Twix though. Uh, uh, Twix is like my favorite candy yeah. bar. Twix is good. Yes. I don't know, it's that cookie yeah. in there. It's really tasty. Worst. I'm gonna go candy corn. I hate candy corn. Yeah, I, I think it's like candy corn. I'm gonna sweet spot for candy corn. I like licorice a lot too but there's a couple types of licorice that like I, like now and laters are pretty bad I think I kind of like now and laters too you like bad candy I don't know. <laughs> I so. you really peaked at Pete Reese's peanut butter <laughs> yeah. like downhill from there yeah um but yeah, Mary Jane's. I'm surprised that didn't come up. Like, do they uh, well, I, don't, I guess I don't think that. I don't, uh, that, I don't think that is like I'll a Halloween. Yeah, I don't think that. <laughs> All right, uh, best costume that we've done or ever. That we've ever. Done? Let's say like ever. You can go do a childhood costume oh, if you want to. God. Okay. Oh, let me think. See, my Mardi Gras costumes have been better than my Halloween. costumes. I know. Me too. I used to have a Once theme. Once we have a Mardi Gras episode, we'll be back yeah, we'll talk yeah, about yeah, it. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, when I used to have a Mardi Gras theme that was the uh, scandalous women in the news from the year before. Oh. So mm. that's good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, 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 there were, there was a year I, and I've, I've got the costume in my closet, so I've busted that since then, but I really liked the year I dressed up as Larry Bird. Right? <laughs> I, I had, uh, a children's medium size Larry Bird jersey and a pair of, uh, white Sophie's shorts yeah. with some, uh, some green stripes glued onto the side and, uh, uh like, uh, the calf high socks and, yeah, I was, I was Larry Bird. I, <laughs> I, I repurposed that costume again for the not so superhero party, and people the, the whole the question is like, "Well, what's your superhero?" And I would always just superpower. Sorry, what's your superpower? And I would always just say fundamentals. <laughs> That's, <laughs> good. That's a good one. I, uh, in recent memory, I was uh, I was Scary Poppins. For Halloween, awesome. because I I get a lot of oh it's Mary Poppins coming down the street when I'm a tour guide because I I wear my hair up I have dark brown hair that mm-hmm. kind of wear like Edwardian I carry an umbrella when I do a tour and so people always shout that at me and I'm like yes thank you <laughs> um, but I decided to do like a, an evil Mary Poppins so I had like orange kind of demonic contacts and I had the Victorian coat but in like acid green. And uh, I made a umbrella that had the the parrot head, but it was a skull parrot head nice. that I had made in paper mache. How is was, this not a movie? I would scary love pop. to yeah. see that. Movie. It was it was like, good. It was a good costume. Hire a nanny, and she seems perfect on the outside, but she's so it's like evil. one of those like '90s sort of like the evil babysitter or evil yeah. nanny yeah. movies, exactly. Like, yeah. Hand that rocks the cradle. Right. Somebody but did a, make it a musical. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. So yeah, somebody oh, did a, a long time ago, like old old school internet. Pre-YouTube, somebody had made up a, a fake trailer for Mary oh, Poppins yeah. that was a as a horror trailers. movie, and it was very good. Yeah. I mean, you could still find it. I'm sure nice. it was it was it was good. All right, best I, costume. I, I think, I think my favorite Halloween costume proper was um, 
I went as the vampire queen of Louisiana from True Blood. Nice. Solid. And I actually went to um, Hot Topic, <laughs> and they were selling bottles of True Blood, uh, so, like a soda, but I dumped that out because it was God awful and <laughs> and um, was drinking, you know, whatever my cocktail choice was yeah. at the night. And they were just making that in there. And I was, yeah, I think that they did that costume turned out really good. Solid. Uh, hands down. So I used to uh, host a karaoke night for years with my friend uh, Noah Lindsley. And uh, we started our very first year of doing it. Like we were trying to draw a crowd into this. Like it was at the Buddha belly and like mm-hmm. nobody would come for karaoke there. Uh, so we would just come up with events to try and like promote the promote the karaoke night that we were doing uh we did scaryoke i mean there's a million scaryokes <laughs> out there but yeah. we thought we were super clever doing scaryoke but the whole thing was we were having a contest with you had to have a uh costume that matched the song you were going to sing and yeah. Ooh, whoever did the nice. best one was was going to win so i was hosting at the time so i had a red smoking jacket i got uh those groucho marks glasses with the nose and the mustache attached mm-hmm. i had a devil tails and a devil horn that was hidden under a hat I, and I did Elvis Presley's The Devil in Disguise. Oh, that's nice. Case. I, that's I, that was, I peaked at costumes at that point. <laughs> that's very good. I'm huh? done. Yep. I'm done. I can't do yep. any more. Yeah. All right. Very last one. If you could strike one Halloween costume from the popular register of Halloween costumes, oh. what would you get rid of? Like a costume you never want to see again. Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> Just one. It's the worst I one. Guess, um... I think there's a there's an element. It's like I have nothing against... Uh, sexy costumes but there's certain things that should oh actually i saw this on the internet i'm gonna go ahead and this is this was not a sexy costume so strike that from the record again i have nothing against sexy costumes in general and the and the, and halloween is an opportunity for people to really let out their inner mm-hmm. inner weirdo or inner slut or whatever that thing is about yourself that you're not usually comfortable bringing out in public halloween be, was one of those days where you can you can be that person and that that's a, there's a lot of value in that yeah. Yeah. For, for, for society um that it's a uh, what Dan Savage refers to as sort of a a, a straight pride festival. People don't have those people really don't have those opportunities to, yeah. to be overtly sexual in public unless and, you live in New Orleans. Orleans. Right. <laughs> Every day is overtly sexual in public day, um, but for everyone else in the country. Um, but one of the, there was a and they, 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 the company that was selling it issued an apology but they were selling an Anne Frank costume for children I just saw that yeah. I was like a, this I was year? Well, yeah it was this I, yes. year yeah. uh, and they, they and apparently it is already sold out online like you, be on the lookout there are going to be a lot of Anne Franks out trick or treating this year but they came out and said it was like this is not designed to be a, a Halloween costume we also sell costumes for children to use in historical plays and pageants sure. this is not supposed to, but people are going to be using it to be, the people right. are going to be sexy and frank this year oh I guarantee gosh. it and it's going to be awful yes. and it should not be a it's thing it's interesting because there's oh what was it oh. Take Back Halloween there's a website that's it's mostly um, like women's costumes but it's like oh you know you could be so many cool women from mythology and history and, and you know it was really cool but then I'm like oh shoot I can see where somebody, no, they're just going to make it sexy. Um, But uh, on that note, uh, not because I think it's overdone, not because I have anything against like sexy costumes, but because I am very vain. uh, 2007, maybe 2006, 
Uh, all of my friends at college and I did a spectacular Batman's Rogue Gallery based oh, on the yeah. animated series. And I did a really good old school cartoon Harley Quinn and I was very proud of it. And I'm very good at doing the voice. And now everyone is Harley Quinn oh and God. it just cheapens it. Suicide Squad. <laughs> I don't know if you guys listen to this podcast on the regular, but Suicide Squad is the worst movie I've ever paid money to go see. And they murdered that character. Like, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm a so big bad. fan and... Now I think it's like overdone, like, yeah, you and everybody else. And I'm like, no, yeah. I really liked her. Are you reading yeah. the uh, most recent uh, New 52? Uh, I haven't Harley picked Quinn? it up yet. I need you to. Check it out. If yeah. you want to borrow it, I've got like the sure. first three trades. It's very good writing. It's uh, cool. written by like a really talented, really funny woman. Yeah. And it's super awesome. good. Yeah. It's, it's re- it is really a shit. I, I hadn't seen uh, the Suicide Squad by the time when we talked about it on the podcast. And yeah, they really, they really so dismantle good. that character. And it's especially a shame because Margot Ru- Ruby is actually a really good actress. Yeah. And she yeah. could have been really a very good. Good <laughs> Harley Quinn. I'm actually looking forward to I don't know if you've heard, but I, Tanya, have you heard about that one coming out? She plays Tanya Harding in the Tanya Harding oh, biopic. Wow. It's, apparently, it's going to be really good. Huh. So, All right. Okay. Take it. Take a costume away. I think I'm going to revisit what I said earlier. Um, anything that has extremely large extremities that mm-hmm. um, when you have to maneuver. And now if you are in a house party or in a, in a space where... You know, you have the room to maneuver and are not going to annoy every single person you walk by, by all means. Uh, you know, it's just be aware of your surroundings. And if you're going to party with us on Frenchman Street, mm-hmm. please don't wear six foot span wings. And <laughs> I think wings are a good one. Just get rid of the wings because everybody like it's just a now there. I have seen some that like basically are small enough that, you know, fits shoulder width and you're not really, you know, sticking out any further than you would otherwise. And, okay. well, or you could do the kind of wings that like drape under exactly. your arms. Yeah. Right. Spread your arms. You got the, yes. the wings there. Exactly. They're, 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 there there's ways, the right and wrong way exactly. to do wings if you're going to yes. be in a crowded agreed. space. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I was I try to shy away from costumes that require an accessory because eventually you will lose that accessory yes. and then your costume will not make sense. <laughs> so. That's why I try and stay away from group costumes nowadays. Like or just group costumes with like mm. one or two people because if you lose that other person, like inevitably you're not going to be next to that person, right? So mm. yeah. Well there there's again, my, my my wife and I we do we do couples costumes, but it's always we try to be very very careful to make sure that it's a couples costumes that they're complementary, but they don't require each other. Mm. So one one Halloween, she dressed up as a cow and I dressed up as a milk man is like she's still recognizably a cow yeah. and I'm still recognizably a milkman even if we're not next to each other but when we are next to each other is that much better mm. so yeah. that's the yeah. kind of couples costume that works nice but, yeah anyway what, what, which would you excise from the Halloween record? Uh, well, uh, so the broader category, definitely any like ethnic stereotype costumes. Uh, there was one really bad incident I had at a bar that I worked at where somebody came in and like uh, very stereotypical, a very tall white guy, like very stereotypical, like Native American like thing, like old Western movie one, and had taken the time to uh, tint his uh, his skin color red. So mm. this guy was what? like, this guy was an immediate yeah. 86. That was an easy one, I yeah. think. Um, <laughs> the China doll geisha thing. Mm. I fucking hate. I really, really fucking hate that costume. Um, like, it's just, I, I just, I don't. And then, like, me having to explain to people why this is an offensive <laughs> thing. It's just like, yeah. it's just like, I, I don't know. Like, um, I don't know. That one always gets that one always just upsets me. There's there's a rule of thumb that I try to instill in people when they're considering dressing up as someone of a different race or ethnicity, which is it's okay to dress up as a specific person who happens to be of a different race, but it's not okay to just dress up as a race. Yeah. It's like it's okay yes. if you wanted to dress up like um like 
the Emiliano Zapata, the Mexican revolutionary. That's great. He's kind of got, got an iconic look, but you can't just dress up as a Mexican and like wear a poncho and a sombrero and a mustache and be like, I'm Mexican for Halloween. That that's offensive, but dressing up as a, as long as you're not tinting your skin, even if you're dressing up as a specific person, change don't, Halloween don't costume. do brown. <laughs> We're just going to dress up as white boy as a Mexican. <laughs> I bought the poncho and sombrero already. Just, just be a specific Mexican. That's right. all you need to do. Oh, I just have to pick one. Okay. Yeah. Get some bandoliers or something. But, then you're Zapata. <laughs> or, All right. You know, a character. You know, if you're yeah. being right. like, okay, I'm going to be, I don't know what the character would be. Well, last Halloween I dressed up as Aladdin. Yeah, if and Aladdin, Aladdin, Aladdin was, is a is character. Is a, is a, and if you don't darken your skin, he's got I mean, a he very really, clear costume. He looks that you pretty can, white in the, to in be the movie. Clear, the Disney Aladdin's definitely looks pretty a white guy. He looks, I mean, he looks white, but he would have been an, 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 a man of Arabic descent. But if you're dressing up as the uh, Disney Aladdin, he's just a white guy. Fair enough. Which I am. the best and a lucky doll, and there you go. Steve from Full House to the voice I mean that's like one of the that's whitest people ever right <laughs> yeah it's pretty white I was just remembering I think one of my favorite costumes that I saw on Halloween that wasn't one of my own and you guys might nerd out on this um, was somebody <laughs> dressed up as Jane from um, Firefly Firefly oh yeah. Uh, yeah I don't like Firefly which one was Jane what <laughs> like is Jane the uh, Jane's the, the, the gun guy he's the mercenary he's yeah. oh Tom yes. yeah okay yeah. Yeah. he's got the like hat Jane. the yeah. guy named Jane hat. yeah the guy named Jane yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they, yeah. They, there's, there's the whole like city that is obsessed with him because he accidentally dropped money on them or something yeah. like that <laughs> yeah Janestown Janestown yeah okay that was a good episode <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Steve like, doesn't uh, Steve doesn't like Firefly it's okay I like Firefly I do too Coolio. All righty. Well, this has been another long episode of Around with Stephen Cole. Uh, let's go ahead and circle back real quick. So uh, on our show, we'd like to finish up with parting shots. So parting shots about the season, New Orleans, Halloween, this beautiful weather we're having. Let's start off with this young lady. Oh, once again, Jennifer Oblanis. I'm with Ghost Tequila. Um, Halloween is definitely the season to go out and enjoy my uh, spirit of choice. So please do so. And if you see me out, if you know me and you see me, um, I probably will be putting some, some tequila in your so, <laughs> uh, my name is Hope von Starnes, uh, and this is the season for me to do a million tours. So, uh, I guess if you go out and, and take ghost tours in the French Quarter, um, please enjoy yourself. Please remember to be respectful to the neighborhood because a lot of people live in the French Quarter and we are guests there. Uh, remember, drinking is a marathon, not a sprint, especially yes. when you're on my tour. Um, <laughs> And then to all the residents, you know, thank you for uh, tolerating us. And like I said, any any tour guide worth their salt is going to be respectful and try to tell good history and be respectful of the people in town. So we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Cole. I am the Cole half of Around with Stephen Cole. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we, we always appreciate your, your downloads and your listens. Uh, be safe out there on Halloween. Um, look where you're going. It's it's. It's a dangerous night to be out. I think there there will be people who take advantage of the the drunken debauchery and the people who are not quite paying attention to their surroundings. But my one recommendation uh, for costuming on Halloween is have a second option. So for whatever it is, like if if you have a if your costume is extra skimpy and it turns out it's going to be cold, don't just be that thing anyway. You can just have you, you, if you've lived in New Orleans for more than a couple of years, you've got backup plans. So have have a costume that'll work with it gets wet if it looks like it's going to rain. Have a costume that you know have have a skimpier costume if it looks like it's going to be hot. I mean, just have 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 a backup plan because whatever you think you're going to be, if you're just like that, come hell or high water, then you may not have the most pleasant Halloween. You're going to be one of those people out wearing a bikini on Frenchman Street, male or female, 
or somewhere in between, um, and just freezing their butts off, as, as Jen mentioned earlier. So be, be, be flexible is my recommendation. Right on. And this is Steve Yamada. Uh, we're going to be signing off in a little bit. Um, once again, I feel like I made the same plea uh, last time when we were talking to Isaac and Amanda Toops. But, you know, there's a lot of people talking about, like, you know, oh, I want to come down for, to New Orleans. I want to experience New Orleans and things like that. Halloween is a perfect time to come down and experience in New Orleans. Uh, you know, if you want to avoid uh, the chaos that is the busy Mardi Gras season, you get a lot of the same flavors. Uh, you get to interact with a lot more locals when you come down for Halloween. And it's just overall, like, a really cool special time. Uh, for all those other people who can't make it to New Orleans, uh, make it your own personal mission. Make Halloween a little bit weirder, a little more fun in your own hometowns <laughs> and things like that. And, you know, have a good time. You know, be safe out there and, uh, you know, stay spooky. I think that's all I got. Uh, once again, this spooky. has been Steve <laughs> <laughs> Yamada. T. Cole Newton. And thanks again for listening. Cheers. Theme music for Around with Stephen Cole is by Derek Freeman. Support for Around with Stephen Cole comes from Infinium Spirits, a family-owned spirits company specializing in the import, sales, and marketing of its distinctive portfolio of brands. Infinium Spirits, igniting brands. Thanks again to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.